Hey, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wilder Mind podcast. It has been a bit, and I hope that you have all been so well and stoked and living a life that brings you happiness beyond measure. In this new revamp, rehab, refab of the pod, you can look forward to a variety of episodes, and some with the support of brand partners. From hard things to funny things, joyful things, and all the things in between, we're throwing singularity out the window, and we're just going to have great conversations with great people. First up on deck, we have five episodes that my dear, wonderful, sweet, incredible friend Marley Jarenko and I put together with the support of Mountain Hardware. We'll talk with Kyra Condi, Ted Hesser, Kaleb Robinson, Miranda Oakley, and John Glassberg on some deep and meaningful topics. Episodes I hope will encourage you to experience the world in all of its wild and complex dimensions. So put this pod back in your lineup and tune in for the first five episodes as we have conversations with folks that inspire us and talk about the things that feel like a mountain we cannot climb alone. Because so many of us find beauty outside of our comfort zones. And sometimes the hardest thing is just saying it out loud. I'm your host, Cody Cameron. Today we have Kyra Conti. She's a mountain harbor climber and competed in sport climbing's debut in the last Summer Olympics. We're here to talk about her experience training for that moment and how through all of the pressure, sacrifice, and disappointment, she is still a climber and still an Olympian. And while this episode was recorded a while ago, when the timing was perhaps more relevant, the character revealed in Kyra's words is absolutely timeless. So without further ado, here's Kyra Condi. All right, Kyra. So can you uh, give us your name and a couple of sentences of, of who you are? All right. Yeah. Uh, my name is Kyra Condi. I am 25 years old. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm actually from Minnesota, though. Uh, I have been climbing since I was about 10 years old. Um, and I last year achieved my dream of becoming an Olympian in sport climbing, uh, which is like a lifelong goal of mine or was a lifelong goal of mine. And, you know, you're forever and always an Olympian. So that's uh, pretty exciting. And um, yeah, now just kind of figuring out what I'm going to do next, I guess. We didn't talk about what this conversation will be, um, but you teed it up really well. So <laughs> the idea here is we want listeners to get a sense of who you are as a human and as an athlete. Cool. And I don't think that, you know, everyone has that, um, that view of you. So I say we just jump right in. How's that sound? Yeah, I'm ready. We'll kind of start off easy. We want to talk about a time uh, when climbing was not for you and, and how you navigated back to climbing for you, um, like, as an expression of self? Uh, I would say the closest I can think of, of when I was climbing not for myself um, was definitely in the lead up to the Olympics, really working on those weaknesses, um, especially things that were hard for my back or hard for me really mentally because they felt really impossible. Um, that was really challenging because I didn't really know how to work on them. Since my back is fused and I have this massive weakness that goes along with it, it's like this mobility thing. Um, there wasn't any clear path of how to get better at it. And I think when I was working on that, it didn't feel like it was something that was for me. It was something I didn't enjoy doing. I didn't have fun while doing it in the slightest. It was kind of miserable. I would be in tears a lot. And uh, I think that's definitely the, the time that it felt the most like it was not for me. Uh, and so now post Olympics and, you know, looking back on that training, I'm, I'm really proud of it and how much effort I put into it. Uh, but I, I kind of regret it, to be honest. It definitely made me not enjoy climbing as much. And I think I lost some of the stuff that I was really, really good at because I focused so much on this thing that I was bad at. Um, 
And so I think it's important to obviously work on those weaknesses, but I wish I had had a better balance. Like instead of suffering through trying a climb that felt impossible for me for an hour, maybe I would have done that for like 10 minutes, you know, and and eased into it. And that would have been a little easier on the brain and the body, (laughs) Mm. I guess. And what is it about you as a person separate from you as a climber, as an athlete that got you through that? I find my self-worth a lot in like how hard I work, not necessarily what my actual accomplishments are outside of that. So it's like, if you work hard, ideally you do also accomplish your goals. But for me, it's all about being proud of the work I put in. And so like, for example, with, with the the moves that are hard for my back and things like that, um, I am very much so proud of the work I put into it. I just wish I, uh, didn't have to do it, I guess, (laughs) if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and when those things start rushing through, when, when it feels impossible, when you're, the frustration starts welling up, what is it how do you tap in? How do you pull yourself back through those moments? When something looks or feels impossible, um, it's different than if something feels like probable, but not quite there. Um, and so in a competition, I, I think when I come across a move that is really hard, you know, my, my thought process is usually like, okay, like how can I make it slightly easier? Like, can I uh, move my foot? Can I, you know, switch feet? Can I pull harder? Can I, like, I just need to hold it with one arm, like a little better, like catch it with a bent arm, something like that. And then, um, when it comes across a move that like I'm, I'm particularly bad at, I think I go through a more, um, specific process that's more like, okay, I can't do it the way they intended me to do it. What is the way that I could maybe do it? And so then I go through like a, like kind of a different process there. And that one's a little bit more mentally challenging for sure. I think that's so important to talk about because the issue that you see a lot of climbers deal with is once they see something that, that looks out of reach for them, if it's too tall or, or too short, either way, there's an excuse. Well, I wish it was this. I wish it was that. And what you talked about, like, okay, I need to move my foot. I need to pull harder. I need to do something differently or, or change the beta up. And I mean, I'm glad you mentioned like the morphology because it reminded me of the time we were down in Puerto Rico at the, the coconut boulders. Is that what they ended up being named? Oh yeah. I think that's what we named him. Yeah. Yeah. And there was that, that tall move and, <laughs> and I, I could sense, cause I'm standing up on top of it and filming. I, I could sense you were mad at me <laughs> because <laughs> I know, you like, told me it was, it was three more inches away. And I was like, that's not what I wanted to hear Cody, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted it to be closer than that. <laughs> so like, what, you know, how did, what was that process like when you're back down, you know, you can do the moves. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that's, that's something, like I said, I really enjoy, um, the feeling of being far away from a move and then getting it, um, either through more training or like trying harder or something like that. And I think, uh, the particular reason why the moves that have been like the most mentally challenging for me have been that way is because it doesn't feel like there's much I can do to make it accomplishable, I guess. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can work on my flexibility. Like I'll get as flexible as possible in my legs so that I can like maybe make up for not being flexible in my back. And you know that as soon as I had that idea, it was something tangible that I could work on, uh, that felt like it was helping me with this huge weakness and that I enjoyed a lot. And so I think that's just a personality trait of, I enjoy working towards something with like a clear method of doing it. Uh, whereas like the ambiguity of how to actually get better at something that felt like it was something that I couldn't actually change is, um, a lot different. And, and is this a thread that's always existed since like Kyra before you were 10, before you started climbing, like Kyra as little tiny teeny Kyra? <laughs> um, I've always been super tenacious for sure. Like, um, I don't know, my mom really likes the story of uh, when I was about like four years old, I was at my grandpa's house 
and I came out holding a hammer and I was like, I fixed it. And they were like, what'd you fix? And I was like, I fixed it. It's fine. Uh, and they were like, oh my God, like what did Cairo do? Uh, and then a little bit later, my grandpa went to go use the bathroom and he couldn't close the door. And he's like, what is it? Like, there's a nail just sticking out of this hole that was in the door frame that I saw this hole and was like, I have to fix it. And so I put a nail in it because that was the only way that I knew how to fix it. And I feel like that uh, do-it-myself mentality has always been there ever since I was four years old. Um, same thing, I, I once got lost in an amusement park, but I wasn't lost. I knew exactly where I was. Did my family know where I was? No. <laughs> but I was about to get on a ride because I was like, man, like, I don't know where my family is, but like this roller coaster looks sick. So um, like, I, yeah, I think it's, it's always been like uh, a personality trait for sure of kind of doing it myself and uh, knowing what's best for me, I guess. But, uh, you know, I think that's something that um, working with a coach has actually really helped with because, you know, sometimes you don't actually know what's best for you to work on. And I'm really stubborn. So that's been something that's been difficult for me to work on for sure. I love that, you know, that you said they thought I was lost. I wasn't lost. I knew where I was. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, and then you follow that up with the admission of like, I'm really stubborn. Like that yeah. is perfect. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about and, and I mentioned this to you right before uh, we hit the record button and it, it's an uncomfortable question. Right. Uh, not one I'm excited to ask, but I think our friendship, we can get through this together. Um, <laughs> I'm nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I'm making it a bigger deal in my mind. Uh, cause I'm sure you've thought about this quite a bit. So you go to Tokyo to mm -hmm. the Olympics and I'll just be very bold in the question and, and you don't come back with a medal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think for those of us who know you and, and are used to seeing you around Salt Lake, around the gyms and things like that, there was a notable, noticeable shift in, in you. And so... You know, there, there are several layers of questions here, but really, you know, how did that, how did that change you? And, and, you know, I think the overarching, like, was there someone you wanted to be before you went into the Olympics? And is that different than who you are now? Um, man, uh, I think it's an interesting question. Um, a couple of things that I'm really grateful about the Olympics is that it did give me a, like an even larger platform to like share the things that I'm really passionate about. Um, and create a larger impact on the climate community than just myself. Um, you know, there's a couple of things I'm really passionate about, like showing that you can be really healthy and be a strong climber uh, is one of those things. Um, you know, making climbing more, div more diverse and equitable and um, access, um, you know, more, e more easily accessible to, um, to everyone. And that's like, you know, something that's really important to me and something that being on the Olympic stage definitely allowed me to do. Um, yeah, as far as climbing at the Olympics, I did not climb as well as I wanted to. Um, but it wasn't necessarily, I guess I was bummed mostly because a few moves that I was really hoping were not going to show up, showed up in both the bouldering round and the lead round. Um, so I really didn't feel like I got to show my best um, in that way. A couple other things I'm really proud of is, you know, I, I was the first person with a large spinal fusion to ever compete at the Olympics in any sport. Um, and so that's something that I'm also like pretty proud of. Uh, and I have to remind myself of, you know, constantly and that it's like not something that other people, um, deal with or work with. Uh, and it, there are people who have competed at the Olympics with scoliosis and, um, but nobody who has competed with the fusion. So, um, that's something yeah, that I'm really proud of for sure. But yeah, I mean, obviously everybody goes to the Olympics and wants a medal. Climbing I think is also interesting because almost anybody could have gotten a medal. Like everybody's so good in different disciplines in different ways that like it could have gone anybody's way, anybody, any day. Um, and 
that's something I think really unique to, to climbing because you don't really see that in swimming, for example. Like there's somebody who's like a definite favorite to win, and like we definitely had favorites to win or medal in, in the in climbing. But you know, anybody's foot could slip at any moment. Anybody could skip a clip and lead and then suddenly be disqualified. You know, there's so many factors. And then the route setting factor as well, like adds in a complete unknown into climbing. So you can train all year, which is what I felt like I, you know, I trained for two years leading up to this huge moment. And then I felt a little, uh, shorted, I guess, by, uh, the, the setting, it was not in my favor. And then the climb that actually did really suit me, which was the, the last climb in qualifiers in bouldering, um, was something that I would have normally totally annihilated in a normal climbing year. But because I had spread my focus into these weaknesses and speed and lead, I felt like I wasn't as strong as this thing that I was normally like really dominant at. So mm. like, it was like the power boulder with like in-cut crimps that was like totally my style and I didn't do it. So that's the one that like still kind of eats away at me because I didn't do that climb when it was normally totally my style. But it's because I was working so hard on these weaknesses that I like lost a bit of my strength. And you, you know, you mentioned, uh, and you use the term eats away at you. Is that something that, does that come up like when the cameras are off and, and, you know, it's like those quiet moments alone, is that inside or is it really more like, you know, for example, at trials this, this past week, is that when it comes out or it doesn't really eat away at me on like a daily basis by any means. I think I actually still have tons of fun training. Um, it's those back moves just because I, I spent so much time working on them and like hammering away at them definitely still get get me uh emotional pretty quickly i would say um but otherwise in training like if i can't do a boulder because it moves really hard like i'm psyched to just keep trying it and you know work away at it so it's 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 different um i'm kind of trying to limit my time on those ones that make me that upset so that i still work on them and still work on that weakness but don't uh burn out on it as much because i think i definitely burned out on it last year Mm. And, you know and, and talking with you and, and josh the usa climbing coach for the national team here he had mentioned that in some of your sessions, there were, there were times when you weren't allowed to, to talk about your back or your skin. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that, you know, looking back, do you think that was a good method or do you wonder if perhaps the ability to really express like, here is why this is holding me back. And, and if I can talk about it, then maybe we can work around it as opposed to as opposed to what I'm not sure, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, Josh and I actually had a really good method of it because he was looking at it as Kyra needs to do this boulder. And I'm looking at it as I can't do this boulder because of X, Y, and Z. And I think that actually worked really well because Josh wouldn't really let me have that excuse, which, you know, and a lot of times it worked. Like I was able to do or figure out a new move or new method for a move that like everybody else was doing a different way. I'm like, but everyone else can do it this way. And I can't do that. He's like, well, how can you do it? Like, don't look at how you can't do it. How can you do it? And that perspective really helped. And I think those were the sessions that were the most helpful um, for moves like that, that were really challenging for me, both mentally and physically. Um, and like, yeah, that's something I'm super grateful to have Josh for because uh, I would have like given up on those moves like way before. And I think it is something I still want to work on and get better at, but definitely just in like less of a focused manner, I guess. I think our only mistake was maybe hammering it a little too hard but at the same time like they both like all these moves that I was really bad at showed up at the Olympics and we had worked on them so um like I don't think I even would have done as well on them as I did given my circumstances if I had not had worked on them with Josh so um I'm glad I, I did work on them even though I'm burnt out from it now <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> oh absolutely yeah and I'm wondering if there's ever a time you know and if there is like what like what goes through your mind and through your heart when it happens that you you look at something and just think if only, 
if uh, Bowl made it in a spinal fusion. I definitely feel like that heart sink moment. Like I definitely had that moment at nationals this last weekend or national team trials in Atlanta. First boulder turned around and I was you know, trying to really hype myself up for this competition. And I had talked to a sports psych beforehand and he was like, you know, if you expect turbulence, you can deal with it better than if you expect like smooth sailing. Um, like if you go into a competition expecting just smooth sailing, like, I, okay, I hope for the best, you know, and then if something not the best happens, you're suddenly taken aback by it. Whereas if you expect not the best and you get not the best, you're ready for it. Um, which was an interesting perspective. Cause I was like, oh, I should just be really hopeful leading into it. And then he was like, well, maybe like, maybe not, like, maybe you should like go into it expecting that turbulence. And so I did that and I went in and I was like, okay, it might be turbulent. Like I know these setters, like I know the style that they like, like. It's not usually my style. <laughs> um, turned around and first boulder was like a sick dyno into a mantle on an overhang in a dihedral, which was very bendy and twisty and horrible for me. And so I turned around and I was like, okay, it's a turbulent round. <laughs> and like, you know, like got that mindset ready. Um, and, you know, I did okay in that round. It was, it was fine. It was definitely not the best. But then, um, and then I tried to approach the, the semifinals in the same way, but... I think the first two boulders just like were both like that again, and I was just bummed by that point. So, um, I got in again. Didn't feel like I got to show my best, which is unfortunate because you know if you train a lot, you really want to be able to go to a competition and show your best. And if you don't, you want it to be your fault. You know, if you let the nerves get to you, if you let your emotions get to you, that like that's something. Um, or like, yeah, you didn't train enough, you weren't strong enough, whatever. But it's it's a little bit of unfortunate when it feels like it's something out of your control. Mm. You know, and, and you mentioned earlier that something that's really important to you is you want folks to see that you can be healthy and strong mm-hmm. as an athlete. And I'm going to use kind of a, a different example of this. Um, when we were in Puerto Rico, we sat down uh, for a meal for dinner at that restaurant in uh, in Yabacoa. Yeah. Yeah, in downtown Yabacoa. And we had been filming all day. You've been climbing all day. And at this point, you'd probably been at least 13 hours on, 13 hours moving the restaurant had nothing that you could eat except for rice and maybe some like boiled vegetables. And you didn't say a word. You're like, okay, that's great. That's fine. And, and you, and you, you were like, yeah, I'm not that hungry. Although you probably were starving <laughs> and it was okay. You didn't let any sense of it like get to you. And do you think, is there a chance that you wanting to, you know, show that you can be healthy and strong as an athlete, do you put that upon yourself to always find the good in what's happening. Um, I've definitely been inspired by people around me who, who do that. I think, um, like we were somewhere recently and, uh, my, my boyfriend's uncle was just like, had the most amazingly positive outlook. He had to wait at this restaurant for an over an hour to try and get our takeout. And we've just felt so bad because he missed like this whole football game we were trying to watch. And, uh, he comes back with the, with the meal after waiting an eternity for it. And he's like, wow, it was just amazing to see how successful that business is. And we were like, wow, I got, that is amazing. Like you just were so inconvenienced and that's your outlook on it. Like I am actually inspired by that. Like that is amazing. Uh, like, and so, uh, you know, that, that's like something I notice when people do. And I uh, definitely hope to emulate it. I'm definitely, especially while hungry, not usually the best at, at showing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a subject of severe hanger and anxiety, I would say. Um, <laughs> anxiety anxiety that one's uh, a good one i've i picked up recently from, <laughs> from scott uh, but yeah it's a uh, i think i do try and do that um to an extent like whenever possible like see see positives um 
and yeah, I think it was, it took me a little while to find the positives, uh, after my Olympic experience. It's interesting too. Like you finish climbing and like you're, you're trying to process that you just became an Olympian and just finished climbing and that you're probably not in finals and all these things. And you go into this tent immediately, like you sit for five minutes, immediately go into this tent and you're getting asked questions by NBC that are like, so 2024, <laughs> it's like, whoa, I just finished. It's 2021 right now. Like I don't help. <laughs> so, um, it's, yeah, it's just interesting how, uh, like you're still just trying to process stuff. And do you feel like you found the positives? Like you've processed or do you think it's going to be, because you, you know, when you started off, when we started chatting, you said once an Olympian, always an Olympian. And is there a sense of that, that you'll always be processing, uh, this experience or? Yeah, I think so. Um, it is, I mean, it's a life changing experience. It's interesting talking to other people who competed, who have like, there, some people are more motivated than ever. Some people in, in comps and all that, some people are super motivated to train, but not that excited about comps, which is kind of where I'm at. Like I'm having so much fun climbing and training, um, and even training for comps, but then the comp itself is just like no fun. Like I was talking to my mom after this team trials and I was like, mom, I had no fun this weekend. Like there's photos of me smiling and I'm like, I am trying so hard to smile there. Like I remember I took my mask off in front of the camera to like get on the finals lead route. I was like, Oh, I should smile. (laughs) And so like it was, there was like a conscious effort to like try to have a good time and it just wasn't there, uh, which was interesting. Um, because like I said, like in training, like having a great time, like I'm not even while like working really hard and like suffering, it's like good type of suffering, you know? And so it's, it's really interesting that it's just not there in comps right now. Um, not to say that I don't want to do comps. Like I'm definitely not retiring. It's just, a. I think it'll take a minute to come back after such an intense experience at the Olympics. And I was talking to other yeah, Olympians who are having the same, the same thing, who have even posted about it as well. It seems like that would be really natural, especially after something as big as the Olympics, right? You're carrying the entire, the entire hopes and dreams and psych and like passion of a whole country's group that love that sport. And, and that I can't imagine, and obviously a very small subset of us can imagine but most of us can't, what that actually feels like, or not imagine, but know what that feels like. Um, and there has to be a recovery period from that. Like, not like it has to be so, so complex, but it's gotta be draining yeah. in simple terms. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was. And, you know, if I wanted to compete in the World Cups this year, which I did, I had to do nationals in November. And so if I, and you know, Olympics were August. And so, and I didn't really have the opportunity to take any time off. Um, not that I really wanted to, like, I was going to follow the psych. And so I got off the plane from Tokyo and like, I think me and Josh had a session that day because we were like, I want to climb. Do you want to climb? And like, cause we, we love it. You know, like we absolutely love climbing and training. Um, but yeah, like I think it'll just take a second for that, that competition psych to come back, but I know it will. Um, I, but I think what's particularly draining about those, the competitions recently is everybody around me is so psyched to be there and be competing and like if they're stressed, but they're, they're, you know, it's, they're stressed obviously. Cause it's like these qualifi- qualifying comps, but like that is what they are excited to be doing. And I'm like, man, I'm just not feeling that this year, but like, I kind of want, I want to be. Uh, and so that's been the like mental struggle, I guess, that I've been going through. Cause it's not that I don't want it by any means. Uh, I really do, but it's just like, was hard to like get the fire and like my heart in it as much as it has been other times. Mm. Um, but like I said, I think it'll be back by, by next year. Ah, uh, we can't wait. <laughs> I me <mean> either. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I, I mean, Anything that you want to share with listeners before we, uh, before we wrap it up? Oh man. I mean, I feel like it just sounded really negative. All of my like experiences with the Olympics. It was obviously extremely, um, 
an extremely positive thing in general. I think these are, we, we were talking more about the like intense side of the emotions. Um, so I guess I definitely want to make sure that I, it is known that I had a great time and uh, I'm so grateful for my experiences there. And um, you know, something I got the, the tattoo of the Olympic rings and uh, that was something that I wasn't sure about doing after I competed. Cause I was like, man, I'm like not super psyched about how I climbed. Like, then I was like, no, like I'm an Olympian. I, you know, did all these things to get there, like this, you know, preparations for the entire year and a half and the qualifying year and all these things. And, um, nothing can take that away from me. And like, that is something that's super important and, um, and special to me, I guess. And so, uh, it was, it was an insane experience and really just amazing overall. And I really got to see, yeah, like how many people, it was so cool to see how many people like really rallied behind climbing and our climbers, especially because, um, you know, the love that we felt from everybody watching back home was immense. And uh, even the, for each other too, like watching um, all my fellow competitors compete on that stage too, like watching finals, like even though I wasn't up there and wanted to be, um, was amazing because it was, uh, you know, people who I've known for so long. And so to watch them experience that was also incredibly special. Mm. That's awesome. That, that's a great way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kyra, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. This episode of the Wildermind podcast was produced by Marley Jarenko and me with music by Leah Woods. We're glad you're here because the hard stuff gets easier if we just talk about it. And as always, my friends, to your wildest self, be true. <laughs>